Welcome to Brain Wealth with Brian Reppel from Reppel Wealth Group. Join us on a transformative journey where we explore the powerful connection between mindset, financial success, and cutting-edge biohacking. Gain actionable insights from Brian and his guest experts in psychology, finance, and personal development as they examine the world of biohacking to supercharge your mental and physical well-being. Whether you're an entrepreneur, financial enthusiast, or simply eager to enhance your health and mindset, let this podcast be your guide to holistic abundance. Now, let's get ready to unlock your brain wealth. Hello, and welcome to the Brain Wealth Podcast with Brian Reppel. Brian, in episode one, we learned a little bit about you and your journey and how you got here and how you became a financial planner and involved in the industry. I want to focus this time on the company Repel Manage Wealth Management and what you do and where you came from and what the company is about. Yeah, you know, I feel like I've been very fortunate and blessed because when I came in the business, I came, uh, I was be, I was able to be mentored by my father, uh, who's got a many designations and degrees and. And he's really a student of financing, even at today's age, at 75, 76 years old, uh, to the point where I get phone calls from him at 530, 630 in the morning saying, hey, Brian, I've been reading the tax code. This is what I, this is what I'm reading right now. uh, (laughs) Most people read the tax code when they go to bed. Yeah, yeah. He gets up calling me saying, hey, I I think we unpack something here. Here's an opportunity. This will help this certain type of client. And I'm like, buddy, it's 530, you know. What are you doing? He's like, oh, this is so exciting. Let's look at it. So let me just kind of share something because I think it's kind of neat. I was helping him out, right? Uh, um, he was giving a keynote the other day and I said, you know, let's go back to something where you originally started. And it was a 1982 and he was working for EF Hutton. If you remember that name. When, oh, I do. Yes. And EF Hutton talks, everybody listens. Everybody listens. And what he saw there was in the industry, there was a massive conflict with the big firms because they would manufacture their own products. Then they would distribute these products through their sales force out to the public. And in the, in the early eighties, that's what was, what was happening in the marketplace. My dad had a conflict with that, saw it and said, you know what, I'm going to spin out and I'm going to go independent. So back in the early eighties, people were not independent where they, where they hung their own name up, name up on the building. And it wasn't backed and supported by a large institution. So in 82, he kind of came out and did that and was kind of a pioneer in the independent space as one of the first firms back in 1982 to become an independent broker dealer and an independent registered investment advisory firm. Without being backed by a big that, It was a bold time to do that too, because that's right about the time I began my career as a business and financial journalist. You're you're right. I don't recall a lot of people going out there and and staking that claim. Yeah, it was a big move from him. And and he says, you know, he makes a joke in his early 40s, late 30s. He didn't know what he was doing. He's checking off boxes, filling out applications and come to find out here's what he was. And um, through the 80s and 90s, financial advisors started joining us because they wanted to be part of our culture, what the firm was doing, my father's teaching and tax and estate planning investments. So advisors started joining us all around the country. And we really started developing a larger firm over the last 40 years with offices all around the country. And then it was in 1994 when we started the whole go-go era of technology, the growth of the markets. Right. We made another pivot. It was an early stage of 
uh, we got introduced to values-based investing. And values-based investing was the was where we were taking stocks and we were able to look at companies. Now, by the way, I was still in college at this time. So I did not know. He kind of shared what was going on, what the firm was doing. Right. But he made another really bold pivot in the in the in the early '90s when we got introduced to showing that we could actually screen stocks that were investing into companies or investing into lifestyle. Let's call it pharmaceutical companies that were promoting maybe abortion or puberty blockers, things that maybe would violate uh, our morality, our our yeah. values. Okay. And so we were able to start screening more socially conscious stocks. For these type of positions. And this was really bold. It was it was new in the early 90s. Now, 20, 30 years later, it's a trillion dollar plus industry. And my dad was on the forefront of seeing this and of really getting behind aligning people's investments with their values and making sure they're not only are they getting the returns that they need to achieve their goals in the future, but they're it's more than just an investment with a rate of return. It's an investment with with principles that are aligning with people's values. Yeah. So we really made a, he made a big pivot back in the early nineties to socially see the the social awareness of this for our clients and bring this to them and then to our advisors. And over the last 30 years, like I said, now it's a trillion dollar industry, what's gone into this marketplace. And there's another pivot that we're doing as a firm right now. And what I, what I really see is I, I see this conflict. I spoke at our national conference about this in the industry and the, and the conflict is Bill, let me ask you, and I'll ask the audience out there, if you had to have heart surgery, would you ever want to go meet a doctor that could only operate on your heart with one arm because the other arm was tied behind his back? Well, no. I mean, I think the answer to that's obvious. <laughs> right. I'd like both hands working. You want the guy being confident to work with both <laughs> yeah. hands. And that's what's happening in the marketplace. We have a lot of people out there that are not securities licensed. They're not fiduciaries. They may be only insurance only licensed and they're giving financial advice in the form of everything should go into a insurance type of strategy. Well, I do believe in insurance strategies and I believe they're appropriate, but I don't believe everything needs to go into it. So we got that conflict. We have a lot of people on TikTok and Instagram and these things that are promoting insurance programs, but they're only working with one arm, one arm time behind the back. Right. And, and clients are meeting with these individuals. And if you can only get one thing from one person, you're only going to eat that one flavor of ice cream. Exactly. Yeah. And that's a conflict out there. And then we have the other conflict of, uh, I see as the fiduciary, which we serve as, as well as, as well as a broker. And it's giving maybe lack of advice because it's just managing money. It just has, it has one outcome. And when I came in the industry 25 years ago, I was working uh, to serve older individuals, giving giving advice. Here's a 22-year-old giving and listening to a 70-year-old. <laughs> and I had to really have a mindset shift because what I wanted as a 22 to 24-year-old was growth. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. It was the late 90s. And I really had to learn differently serving an older market at a younger age, how to meet people's needs, where they were at. Yes. And that's what I really got gifted at. I saw that from an estate planning, insurance, investments, legacy planning. And what I truly believe, 
and I'll talk about the pivot here in a minute. What I truly believe, it's the balance of, to get the greatest goals, it's the alignment of your insurance programs, your investment programs, your estate planning, and most importantly, the taxes, because it's alignment of all these things together to achieve the goals. Because you do have a choice of saying, if you pay taxes that you could have avoided, or you pay something you could have avoided, that money is gone forever. It's not in your family's wealth anymore. It's it's in somebody else's wealth. Right. And so it's really designing strategies to help people keep and retain more of their wealth for their future, not the government's future or not the bank's future. It's helping it keep and retain for their future. And so it's really aligning all those instruments together. So I'm coming with, if we're doing heart surgery, we want we want a team around us with all hands on deck. Exactly. Nothing's tied behind their back. And the pivot that we're really going with right now is I really see the as a firm, we're really pivoting as being a, more of a financial technology, a fintech wealth management firm. Mm. And we're really embracing the financial technology that's that's coming out to help the next generation. I'm 48 years old. And I believe this technology is really going to help the the next generation, the Gen Xers out there um, that are embracing this new technology. So the pivot that we're really going to as a firm right now is I'm calling ourselves a a fintech wealth management firm focused on education and marketing, really focused on providing financial education using the latest financial technology available. Actually, that's interesting and intriguing because it fits with the legacy of innovation that seems to be going on with Rappel Wealth Management over the years. So given that context, you kind of hinted at this, but like, what is right now in terms of clients, who are your ideal clients? Who are the, who are the people that you know, you're looking to spread this word to and you think you could benefit the most? The marketplace all needs service. And I've been servicing the older marketplace. And I think that's where the most people are trying to attract yeah. are those that have the wealth. And what I really see is being 48, I see it ne- not an underserved or even a ne- neglected marketplace, but it's that the, the next generation, my group, the, the, the individuals, late 30s to early, maybe late 50s, early 60s. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's the ones that are going to be inheriting money in the future, or they're asking the question now saying, hey, am I on track to get to where I need to be in 10, 15, 20 years into the future? Am I on track to get there? And that's what I kind of said in the previous podcast was there are two versions of us. There's a version that's shown up today based on the today version, which is an accumulation of all our past decisions, our past thoughts, our past behavior. It's gotten us here today but it doesn't have to define us. It's also that future wealth, that future person that we can be working towards. And I find a lot of people, it's really amazing. We do a lot of tax plan this time, but this type of year. And I find it amazing that people are, are, are fearful of reaching out to solve something because it, it, there's can be exposure of like, Hey, I may not be doing something right. And I'm almost a little afraid because what I don't know, I'm afraid of sharing it with somebody. Yeah, well, that's a that's a powerful it's a powerful confession. It is, uh, if you will. It is, and I think that's the I think that's the the integrity part of it. And I think one of the the, the greatest challenges that people all people have in working in any space, whether it's buying a car, going to your doctor, it's all about can I trust you with 
in yeah. our space, can I trust you with my money? Can I trust you with that? And I, can I trust you that you're going to help guide me or my family to get us to where we need to be, where we want to be in the future? Can you do that for us? And that's what I think inherently the internal, the gut is kind of always asking, can I trust you with that? Well, yeah, it's not only, it, it, it's, and I would also add to that and say, can I trust you with the admission that I feel kind of vulnerable here mm -hmm. in not being quite sure what to do and not knowing what maybe actions I should, should take. Absolutely. That's a, that's a big, that's a big, that's a scary thing, especially when you're sitting down with somebody and you're talking about the kinds of things that, that, you, you know, involve money and, and you're right, the future you. And I kind of say this is it's in the health space and it's in all these areas that sometimes we don't want to be vulnerable with the things we don't know. So right. we don't, we end up not taking action and we don't move forward because we're afraid of getting hurt again. We're, we, we use our mind to say, oh, if it's like this, it will be like that again. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not necessarily true. I mean, we need, we need to make sure that we understand the thing we have. We have um, one of the things I always like to ask people is I'm not there at your home at night. I'm not there at the dinner table. We're not there in the bedroom with your spouse having those conversations. Right. So what are those conversations going on? Because if we can help understand them, it it can eliminate conflict between families. Because when money gets involved in families and those conversations are not being had, it can create additional stress on the family, the kids, yeah. their growth and development. So helping remove some of those, maybe the language, the lack of something and bringing clarity and direction can release tension on the family so they get what they really want. They're going towards what they really want, peace, fulfillment in their families, a great, great relationship with their kids and their spouse. That's what we want to see. And so the marketplace yeah, are really, go ahead. It's funny. No, no, I was just going to say, <clears throat> there's a podcast out there called Money is Emotional. That's what you, <laughs> and you maybe, I don't say anything. I have seen that, no. It's one of the most uh, aptly named podcasts I've ever heard. And, and you're touching on the fact that it's like, yeah, you know, money is an emotional thing. And, and to admit the vulnerability, to admit the uncertainty, to sit down with somebody, that's, I mean, that's scary, Brian. But it's scary, you know, there's no other way to put it. Well, even even some of our wealthiest clients, um, there, there's always something in there that they're trying to achieve more of. Yeah. Everybody's trying to seek more. Even if they have the most money, there's still a gap somewhere that they're seeking something. And it's and it's really listening, trying to understand what is it that they're they're looking to achieve now. Because if you had all the money, I think we said this before, if you had all the money, but you have no time, that's not optimal. No. I mean- and if you have no money and you have all the time in the world, you're an infant, <laughs> you're a high school kid <laughs> so or you're broke. So it's trying to, how do you get the balance, the, the right balance of, I mean, I'm sure you hear many times individuals say, I can't do something because I have no time, but you're like, wait a minute, you have all have these the resources. Yeah. I don't have the time for that. I don't have, I, yeah, I don't have the time for that. Well, allowing more money for somebody can provide a time. It can provide someone to help cut the yard or give your spouse a cleaning later, do something more. Having those resources can take pressure off the relationship. It can provide new things. And I think I said it before in the previous podcast, if you have the time and you have the money, it always comes down to 
It's having greater experiences in life. It's yeah. always coming down to how do you have greater experiences, more memories, more fulfillment. And that's where, that's where we try to lead people to is getting that, that I hear people all the time saying, Brian, do we have the money to go on this cruise? I'm like, please go spend some money. You have permission. And they get all excited. The clients get excited. Like, okay, we're going to spend some money. I'm like, please do it. It's there for that. But there's a, there's a lot of scarcity thinking growing up in different generations. And oh, yeah. one of the greatest lines I ever heard was uh, an older client said to me, uh, and they're, they're in their, they were in their 80s at the time, Brian, how do you read a menu? I said, you know, I look at the food and I read it from left to right, like any person would. Oh, yeah. What do you mean? And, well, when you grew up in the Depression era in the 20s, you read the menu from right to left. Ah, because you're going to look at the first and then, yeah, then you'll match it up. And I was like, wow, what a gener that's a generational thought process that's inherent, that's that's embedded in them, and that's how they see things. So it's understanding that the different generations, how we now we have you know, we click a button and we get a downloaded app on our phone that's $3.99, or we Amazon's at our door. Yeah, that's a generational how quick and accessible things are to us. No, it really is. So I this this kind of beggars the question of, you know, these first couple of podcasts, episodes of this podcast, we've been getting to know you, getting to know the company and stuff. And, they, and I suspect at this point there are people thinking that you might be an interesting person for them to have a contact with and conversation with. So give us an idea of what, when somebody approaches you, if I, if I reached out to you and said, Brian, can we meet? What would that meeting look like? What you know? How would how would that go? Yeah, great question. So obviously, the, the very first thing is is understanding people, listening, hearing. I think Oprah Winfrey said it the best uh, when she was asked, like, what made Oprah so successful in her career, right? And she said, "I give people a microphone to be seen, heard, and understood." Now that's like that's powerful. And so, really, the first meeting is making sure that. People are being seen and heard. And I think that's what that lacks in our industry. I think it lacks in a lot of professional industries, making sure that the people are seen, heard, and that it's truly understood what they and their families are looking to achieve. Where do they want to be? And understand that's through great question asking and listening. And then it's from there. I really think it's essential answering, I call these the four most important financial questions. And I don't see, I don't see the industry answering these four. These four questions, I believe everybody should know the answer to. And it's as simple as this. One, and I'm going to go a little financial talk here, but it's fun because most people haven't even heard of these four questions. And like when you hear it, and if you don't even know the answers to these yourself, it's kind of like, okay, then what are you doing? That means you're just, you're just investing. You're just doing things. So alignment of those instruments are critical, but how do they align to these four questions to, to gain the answer and clarity? And the first one is, what rate of return do you or should you be earning or do you need to earn on your money for your money to grow to a certain number for it to last your life expectancy into the future? What rate of return do you need to be earning on your money? I mean, having clarity on what that is. The second one is, how long do you need to work? for you to have that bucket of money, for that money to last your entire life expectancy uh, going out to death. How long would you need to work? Third one is, what would you need to reduce 
your standard of living by in the future. Now, this is a painful one because how much would you, if you, if you don't have the money in the future, what would you need to reduce your standard of living by in the future for you to have the lifestyle to last your mm-hmm. life expectancy? And that's a painful one because a lot of people will say, well, you know, I, I'll live on less in the future. I'm like, well, one, you're going to live on less because you're going to be forced to, and that's not a comfortable place to be by force. Right. Two, if you're going to be doing that in the future, let's start practicing it now. <laughs> try, try living on 20 to 30% less now in your lifestyle. Let's see how it feels because you might as well get used to it because if you're not making the changes to address in the future, you're, you're going to get it. You might this as well get the, you may, Yeah, exactly. You might as well get clarity now on what it's going to feel like. It's not going to be easier. And then the fourth question is how much do you need to be either saving monthly or annually to help you to achieve that goal, to have enough money to last your life expectancy? And what's really fun coming out about answering those questions, the financial community is always focused on the first one. It's the first one, the rate of return. Yeah. And it's always focused on that one. And when I show clients and I walk through this, this uh, it's 15 minutes to answer these questions. But when I show the first one, it's not about a rate of return. It's not about having a greater product or a different instrument. It's never about that. It's a little, but it's not the it. And then you start getting into how long you need to work or reduce. And you start looking at those three dials. But it's really the fourth one is saying, what do I really need to be saving? What adjustments do I need? Because right now there's a, there's a really a battle that people have. And I, I hope listeners hear this because this battle is going on with all of us. It's going on with our health. It's going on our wealth. It's the battle between our current lifestyles and our future lifestyle. Our current lifestyle demands things that are saying we need this today and our future right lifestyle wants. And it's understanding that battle's taking place. And we got to look at who's winning the battle. Are we meet, Are we winning the battle because we're consu- are we consuming our future lifestyle today? And that's a great line if you if you really cons- put that one through. Are you consuming your future lifestyle today? And that one really needs to sink in because it takes discipline. Any great athlete that performs, any musician that per- performs at Carnegie Hall, any great Olympian, anyone that achieves greatness in their life, it took discipline yeah. to get that to achieve that. And yeah, it's hard. Discipline is hard. Discipline on our health is hard. Discipline on our finances is hard because we can see these demands coming at us. And so it's really bringing clarity to those four dials for individuals. So you can really get say like, hey, if you want to have the future that you're you're saying you want, what do we need to do today to make the difference? What needs wow. to happen? Those are really great questions. There and I, I was writing them down because I thought this is. I think the point of asking questions a lot of the times, Brian, is just to make people think, not to get an answer. You know, and I was sitting there thinking, well, what what kind of rate of return do I need? And I'm like, I don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> but you know, I didn't. You know, I the the greatest. That's usually my answer. It's always the most possible. <laughs> and what if that's not the case? What if you're able to reduce risk because you're you're on perfect track and you don't need to take that much risk? Yeah. Or but to see the financial community though, Bill is always saying, well, that product's not serving you. Come over here and use this financial instrument. Well, wait a minute. How do we know that's going to get you to your goal? It's yeah. not about the financial instruments. Let's get clarity first on where you are and where you need, where you want to be. Sure. 
then we can address the instruments that you're using and get alignment with those instruments. Like I was saying, the alignment of insurance strategies along with investment strategies, it's, it's bringing them together to make sure they're achieving the ultimate goal. So that's what we're really looking at. It's giving, the, giving clarity to those answers and then looking at, looking at the instruments behind it. That's great. Thank you, Brian. I'll give you one. I, one I, let me give you one other story here. Yeah, this is one I really love. One of the greatest things that when I saw this at a younger age, um, I'm 48. My my father taught me a lot about finances, and the one of the lines that I always learned was: once you transfer money, once I've given away money, whether it's going through the ATM and machine and paying three dollars and fifty cents for a fee yeah. or whatever it is, once I've given that money, I have transferred it away from my wealth unknowingly. And unnecessarily. I'll never see that money again. It's gone forever. So I get the analogy. If you've ever went out and cleaned your car at your house, instead of going to a car wash, you said, I'm going to yeah. clean my car out the house. And you got your bucket of water. You got your bucket out. You put some soap in it and you go fill it up at the faucet with your water at the hose. And by the time you got to the car, you noticed half the water was gone. Now you have two decisions to make. One, do you run back to the faucet because you're like, I got to fill this up faster because the water, I got to, I need to put more water in faster and run back to the car because the water's going to keep coming out. Or do I address the leaks in the bucket? And many of us have financial leaks in our bucket. And if we can address the financial leaks and figure out where there's leakage, yeah, then the goal is to help you recapture that money instead of transferring it away to institutions or other places, recapture that back for your own family's future wealth. Now I got to go fix my bucket, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> we all got leaks. <laughs> we all got, here, you know, Bill, one, I, this is just another side story because this is where it really hit me. I was at a hotel one time when I was younger in my late 20s. Right. I was leaving the hotel and I saw these two sh- beautiful long sleeve shirts. I forget the name of the, the fancy, the designer, but they were like $200 each, these shirts. And as a late 20 year old, I'm like, they were pretty expensive for me. I bought them $400. I paid for these two shirts. As I'm leaving the store, I'm driving home. I was with my girlfriend at the time and I'm doing the math in my head. I'm saying, wait, these shirts were $400. If I invest that money and over time, it would grow to 800, then 800 would go to 1600, 1600 would go to 32, then 32 would go to 6,400. Right. The rule of compounding interest. And I said, these shirts are not worth $6,400 to me. So I went around, turned the car around. Because I said, the moment I bought that $400 shirt, those two shirts, I transferred not just $400. I lost all the future value of that money forever. It was gone. Yeah. And I went around, turned those, returned the shirts. And I said, all right. And it, it just gave me a, a lesson of saying, all right, let me be thoughtful about where I transfer my money to. Because it's not the dollar a day. It's what I'm giving up. It's that future value. Right. Yeah. And I want people to really understand there's that's that that health decision. If I eat that donut today, great, eat it, enjoy it. But there's also a future health of you that's going to show up too. <laughs> if you keep eating that donut every day, every day, every day, yeah. that compounding effect that's going to have on Brian, your Brian, you're killing me. I got to fix my bucket. And now <laughs> you I got leaks in the donuts, bucket and you got to like, get rid of the donuts. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. And it's a great point to wrap this up. Look, what are we going to talk? Do you have any idea what we're going to talk about in the next, you know, go, going forward in terms of episodes? Well, we're certainly going to be talking uh, definitely about some financial instruments, strategies, principles that we've laid out here today. Yeah. I want to get, gain clarity, 
nothing is ever really based on a financial one financial instrument. And we're not going to get really into anything. We're going to talk really high level strategies and principles. So it's with strategies and principles you can win the game. So we will get into some of those. I have some amazing guests that, uh, that I have in the health space, people that have overcome massive challenges from younger when they were children to achieve yeah. great success that know how to balance money, time, and now that last part, magic and experiences. And we're going to just, I want people's minds to be flexible to hear what's possible for them. Everything is available for everybody if we allow ourselves that access point. Fantastic. I cannot wait. However, if somebody who's listening to this thinks they don't need to wait and they want to reach out to you and maybe start a conversation with you personally, what is the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, the easiest way is either going to our website, www.repplewealthgroup.com, -E or just send me an email as well, and I reply myself. That's at brian, B-R-Y-A-N, at gareppel.com. That's fantastic. Thank you. This is great. I'm looking forward to further episodes. And if you're listening to this podcast and are not a subscriber already, maybe you should just hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss any future episodes of this podcast. And if you like it, we would humbly ask that you rate it and you share it with folks, get the word out with what Brian is talking about and help grow this podcast. On behalf of Brian and everybody at Repl Wealth Management, I'm Bill Tucker reminding you that you can go out and make it a great day today or not. It's your choice. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Brain Wealth with Brian Reppel. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at www.repplewealthgroup.com. That's R-E-P-P-L-E wealthgroup.com. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Brian Reppel. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Brian Reppel is a registered representative and investment advisor member of FINRA SIPC.